Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. Our, 140, our affordable $199 GRE course includes everything you need to ace your GRE. A full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at Achievable.me, and if you like it, the code PODCAST gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, today I've got a, a really fun guest on the line, Vince Kochian. And uh, Vince is the founder of a test prep company focused on the GRE after his namesake. And I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yep. My name is Vince Cochin and um, I own Vince Cochin Test Prep. So um, I've been a GRE tutor since 2008. Um, some of my claims to fame, I've made a video course for LinkedIn for the GRE, uh, co-written books for Barron's, created some GRE apps have a GRE app for vocab cartoons and another one that's called GRE Math Night. And I actually teach on the Greg Map platform and I'm super active on the GRE Reddit. So GRE prep is basically all I do all day long. And it's good to good to be here to chat about it with another GRE professional. Yeah, thanks so much. Now today, um, this was a topic that you had a lot to say about, which I'm excited for, which was how to build a study plan. And I think that first off, building a study plan is something that if you, the listener, are maybe starting your GRE journey, or even if you're partway through it, and you kind of haven't built a plan, you really should. Um, having a, any plan is better than none, but then Vince here is going to share how to build a really effective one. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's one of those things that, I mean, the more organized you can be, with your prep, the better. Um, the one thing I'll say about study plans to just kind of preface it is, yeah, you're eventually going to hopefully have a study plan, but you also have to be flexible with it because inevitably well, one size fits all study plan uh, might not be the perfect plan for you. And uh, that's what I see a lot where people are pretty good about finding a study plan online, but then they try to follow it. And a lot of times the problem is that they can't keep up with it and they get discouraged or they, mm-hmm. they get behind and, and suddenly they're off track, they're confused. So I think you have to go into any study plan or really any plan in life, right? With a, with a um, anticipation that maybe you're going to have to change or alter that plan as time goes on. So um, I'll tell you a little bit more about that as I get into it, but let's, let's think about the study plan in terms of maybe three layers. The first mm-hmm. layer I'm going to talk about is, like the foundation layer. So if we're thinking about the GRE, the foundation layer for the GRE is you have to know vocab. You have to be able to read um, complicated passages. You have to understand the math concepts that the GRE is going to test. You know, arithmetic, algebra, geometry, data analysis. Um, These are, this is kind of like being able to speak the language of the GRE. And we have to make sure that you're generally speaking, um, you know, everybody's got a little different levels with these these foundational layers. Almost everybody has to study vocab. So that's going to be an easy daily task to kind of add to your study plan, study vocab. There's a variety of ways to do it. Um, many people are going to need to work on their reading ability, but many people aren't. I see um, it's a pretty broad spectrum. You know, many people can read just fine. And in, in terms of the kinds of material the jury will test, others, particularly people who maybe didn't like to read as they grew up or grew up in a different country where English wasn't used very much are going to have to work on their reading ability. And 
the best way I know of to do that is to read, um, you know, similar material to the jury. And this can be found, you know, a lot of different publications. There's a free one that I like to Mm -hmm. recommend called arts and letters daily. Um, it's a L daily.com. And it's just a, you know, sort of sophisticated articles about a bunch of different things. We want to just get used to reading and, um, focusing, you know, on, you know, sophisticated material. So that's a, that's another right. foundational piece. The complicated foundational piece for a lot of people is quant. So mm-hmm. we know there's all these quant concepts. Some people, let's think about a spectrum. Some people have never learned them. Some people know them or just kind of remember them because they're, ve- they were very good at them in school. And there's a, mm-hmm. most people are going to fall in between. So we have to figure out a way to teach those people, those quant concepts, because before we throw them into GRE practice, we need to make sure they, again, speak the language. They're going to get really frustrated mm-hmm. if we throw them into GRE practice test or practice set, and they can't remember, you know, 60% of the concepts and in, in the questions. They're going to have a really hard right. time. So and that's there's just a lot of formulas on the, on the geometry side in particular, too, that are just like things you learned in high school and then you just like <laughs> never use again. And then you're like, wait, what is isosceles triangle side length again? Like it's. Yeah, so it's good to get all that foundational layer first. Yeah, yeah, and that's really the complaint. It's been a long time since I used it. You know, it was back in high school. I didn't do it for the past, you know, five to ten years. And understandably, like, a lot of people have forgotten a lot of this stuff because it's not super relevant to, you know, life. You know, not a lot of isosceles triangle real-life situations you're running into. Um, yeah. So that's that's a big piece of it. So that foundational layer is, this is where... You know, one of the one of the things that I do for my clients is make customized study plans so that they can kind of be as efficient as possible with this. But if you're, you know, if if you're just uh, listening to the podcast and you're like, okay, how do I tackle this foundation layer? I'll give you a couple of ideas uh, or premises to do that, and I'll recommend a couple of resources too. Um, number one, we have to make sure that we go through the ETS math review. So the DTS Math Review is a PDF that's free online, and um, it's basically kind of a list with a brief description of each topic that the GRE can test. And it just kind of outlines all the, t- the typical topics, you know, from arithmetic into algebra to geometry to data analysis. And what you can do is just read through that entire document. For certain topics, you might just need a refresher on them, and just reading the document might be good enough to kind of teach them to you. Like maybe you just forgot how to add fractions and you needed a quick reminder. And then you'll Mm -hmm. probably find some other topics in there that you have no idea how to do, or you just know that you're going to need somebody to teach you them. So we usually find that it's a little messy. Sometimes certain people will know certain topics and and not other topics. Um, Sometimes people will know most of them, but not a few of them. And we, we have to kind of take stock of that um, because the topics that you don't know or you feel like you need a lesson on, you're going to need to go get a lesson on from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is where we're still not quite at the level of GRE prep. We're still trying to solve this foundational layer. And the way that I usually tell people how to do that is, you know, we've got a few different options. We've got free tools like Khan Academy to watch videos. and Yeah, do- I was going to mention them. Easy, yeah, easy level exercises. Khan Academy, you can just kind of go onto Khan Academy and like type in the name of the topic or, or the concept that you're interested in for math. And then you can like find a video, you can find exercises, you can 
jump straight into some practice with it. My tip, my big tip for Khan Academy is that you want to just jump into the practice because you might be able to fight your way through it and you might not have to watch like eight videos in, in order to be able to do it. Um, now, if you need to go watch the videos, go ahead and do it and it'll walk you through it from basically square one. But if you can be a little more efficient and watch fewer videos, it's going to save you time. Um, I have a guide on my website about how to use Khan Academy for Jerry Quant, um, but it's it's not super hard. It's like, okay, look at the math review, look at the topics in there, figure out which ones you need work on, go into Khan Academy, look them up, watch videos and do the exercises to the point where you convince yourself, hey, I can do this topic at this point at an easy level on Khan Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other sources I'd like to recommend because I think a lot of people um, – can go a little quicker than Khan Academy. There's a book I like. It's actually for the GMAT. It's called Manhattan Prep Foundations of GMAT Math. And I like, it's the same math as on the GRE. For some reason, it's better than their GRE version of the same book. And it's just kind of a (laughs) a very down-to-earth explanation of most of the math concepts on the GRE. Um, Mm -hmm. The other resource I like and I, I think is gaining more traction as people find out more about it is the is Greg Matt, who's another GRE tutor. He has a platform called gregmatt.com and he has a quant mm-hmm. concept series on there. And um, it's going to take quite a bit longer to get through because it's video-based. However, it's got some exercises and it's orient- It's kind of from the perspective of a GRE tutor, which is nice. So this is all stuff I'm trying to get people to think about early on to make sure that they can get up to speed with the quant concepts. And that's really step one before we really get them to do too much quant. Um, so think about that. All of that is like your foundational layer mm-hmm. to your prep. Now you're going right. to continue. And, and how much, sorry, just before you move on, um, how much time would you allocate for that? Let's say, you know, it's January and you're starting your GRE prep. You know, you're going to take it this year, mm-hmm. right? So you got plenty of time. And hopefully, I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have plenty of time, then maybe you're compressing all of this timeline, but in a perfect world, like how much time would you try to allocate for getting the foundational stuff really solid? Uh, and I think we're, yeah. And when we say that we're mostly talking about quant because that's really the most time consuming piece. Um, really anywhere from, I'd say one to two months, let's say, you know, some people mm-hmm. might be, that's kind of like the sweet spot of the bell curve. Um, some people are longer than that. Some people are shorter. Um, but I think most people can kind of get through all that stuff pretty well within a month or two. Um, yeah, I'd be worried part. about it being longer because I feel like you'd start to forget what you learned at the beginning of month four. <laughs> or yeah, sorry, it, in month one, you'd forget it by month four, potentially. Yeah, and you're also going to lose motivation probably if you're like most people. It's like nobody wants to like spend that long studying for the test. We do see people do it though, but um, it's usually not just like that long of a foundational period. However, if you are Mm -hmm. that person who barely got through high school, you might need longer Um, and you might need to review as you go and so on. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's pretend we're kind of at the end of that period now and we're like, okay, we got all the quant down. Usually the good news is for the jury is that the verbal section and the um, analytical writing sections are pretty easy to get up to speed with in terms of how much time they're going to take you. Um, Mm -hmm. So we 
can afford to spend all this time on quant initially because in the back of her mind, we're like, okay, it's only going to take me really a month or two to get up to my potential in those other sections. So now let's get into the, the category of let's start to, to practice for the, the test and get used to some GRE problems. And this is where we're going to kind of start to learn strategies for verbal and math. Almost everybody, you know, is going to learn those strategies from videos. Um, and then they're going to practice questions. So this is where we get into practice. A lot of times we want, like to start off untimed, really with a focus on accuracy. There's the, always the temptation to do a lot of questions, but it's not going to do you very much good to do a lot of questions and then get a bunch of them wrong. You know, you want to be accurate from the get-go and take more time as needed to be accurate. So you're doing mm -hmm. questions, let's say, from verbal. Um, for quant, a lot of times there's, you know, you can start to do some realistic questions from ETS, but I like people to get more repetition with another source first. Usually that's going to be a book like the Manhattan Five Pound book, um, famous book, which has, you know, tons and tons of GRE problems. Most of course, online jury courses are going to have something similar in the, in the online course where people can mm -hmm. get repetition with a concept. But this is good because now they're going to, they're going to be a little more versatile. Yeah, they understand the concept, but they need to see it from all kinds of different angles um, to be really good at it. So we spend a lot of yeah, time. Yeah, and to be prepared for like what I call composite questions, which sometimes pop up where there's like multiple concepts buried. <laughs> yeah. So you got to see it from a lot of angles. Yeah. And there's really, think of the process. I, I usually tell people, think of the process as accumulation. You know, at this point, we're not memorizing things. We're not going to forget things. We're, we're just going to build up our database of things we've seen. And like Tyler mm -hmm. says, if you have this big, you know, you're to react to a composite question where there's three different concepts in it, you need to have this big database of questions you've done to be able to react better to it. Um, so this is, this is a stage that is a pretty finite stage. You know, we do all that practice with the, with the five pound quant or whatever other quant source. And then this blends into the third phase or layer of our, you know, pyramid that we're constructing here, which is realistic ETS questions. ETS is the company that makes the GRE. So we want to do all their practice material, especially all their practice tests. So this is where we kind mm -hmm. of finish up our plan. We're doing ETS stuff. We're doing things timed and we're doing mixed practice with r random questions thrown at us under time pressure. And this is getting us used to the kind of behavior we're going to have to use on the real exam. Um, not only making us more versatile with handling different styles of questions, but um, you know, being able to adapt. And uh, when we see new things, because inevitably the real test will have different packaging around the same kinds of questions. So, mm -hmm. This is where we're kind of practicing our performance and spending a lot of time analyzing questions as, as well, because that's, you know, the real thing. We want to deeply understand how those questions work, maybe find better ways to do them um, and um, use an error log to kind of keep track of our mistakes. Right. And so all in kind of assuming one to two months for phase one, how much time would you uh, benchmark for phase two and phase three? I would, I would also say probably one to two months for a grand total of, you know, anywhere from two to four months. I think that's kind of the sweet spot for most people. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this, you might, uh, you know, assume that that's you. It, it may or may not be you, but probably it is you. It's going to be, you can, you can kind of hit a reasonable potential within that amount of time on, on the test for most people. Yeah. 
And then um, between phase two and three, where you're switching to like doing the real ETS practice tests, like how much time do you allocate for phase three? Is it kind of the last two weeks or is it like the last month and you're going backwards to revisit stuff that you're struggling with on the real test? Yes, that, that's a that's a good question because we we definitely don't want to compress it too much. You definitely need a lot of time to get used to ETS. And, um, you know, we want to probably start it at least, it's not going to, even a, one month is a bit too short because you probably want to space out the practice test pretty evenly over that last layer. In other words, like if, it, you're taking, if you're taking five practice tests, you want to have at least five weeks to take them over. Um, but I like to ha- kind of stack most of the time practice at the end of the prep because by then you know what you're doing. And um, over that last, let's say, six weeks, you get in a rhythm of taking a test every weekend. You know what you're doing, so you're building confidence and you're doing well. Um, you know, I don't like people to use the test too, too early um, because it's a bit of a waste if you don't know what's coming and you don't know how to deal with it. So I, right. I usually tell people, if you want to get a diagnostic test, use a third-party diagnostic, not an official test. Um because save okay, those because you only have five right <laughs> yeah there's only five which kind of sucks and you know it's they're gonna go they're gonna be um yeah the very first one you take you probably it'll be a shock to the system so you, you don't really want to use an ets test for the very first test you take if possible yeah that's good advice and then on the um so you mentioned there there's just like a little tidbit i pulled out which is you said you want to get used to taking a test every week so would you say like your last five or let's say your last six weeks before the exam, you're basically like, take, let's say you schedule your real GRE, like the actual exam for Saturday. And then like the previous five Saturdays, you're doing your practice test every time at the same time. Is that kind of like the ideal situation? Yeah, I think that would be pretty ideal because then, you know, you are, you know, getting your brain and body used to that kind of performance every Saturday. Um, and it's an, an allowing enough time between tests to kind of analyze your mistakes and correct them and work on things throughout the week. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty good scenario. It can be stacked. It can be spread apart a little farther than that. There's nothing magical about once a week. It could be once every two weeks if you have more, a little more time. But um, generally speaking, that's kind of the the pattern that I usually have people follow. Great. Great. This is all really, really helpful stuff. Anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap up? Yeah, the big, uh, well, let me ask you this, Tyler. What do you think? This is, you're not going to know the answer to this, but just take a guess. (laughs) What do you think the, what do you think the biggest problem is that people like me see with people, um, following a study plan? Uh, they fall behind and they stop doing it. Yeah. Just like me and my (laughs) workouts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about something you do. Yeah, exactly. Think about something that, or I should think about something I do that I slack off of and that I don't want to do. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the, the number one problem is motivation. So think about that before you start your study plan, get an accountability partner, get a study buddy, get another human um, other than yourself to be accountable to, and just kind of be like, you know what, I'm going to talk, I'm going to text you, you know, I don't know, every Saturday and tell you, what I did that week, or I'm going to text you every day and tell you what I worked on that day. Just so you have somebody else involved that you've kind of made a promise to. And it's just going to be a little more powerful than trying to motivate yourself. Um, and maybe tell a bunch of people and, and just try to build up some, some, uh, social support for the project because it's a long-term project. You're probably already busy. It's not going to be fun. (laughs) 
and yeah. you're, you're probably not going to, you know, you're not going to enjoy studying. Um, so you're going to have to make yourself do it sometimes. And that's going to take discipline and motivation. So however you can sort of hack that, think about that ahead of time. Yeah. So two hacks that I just use in general. Um, the first is like time boxing. So just like setting time aside on your calendar that you block off and you kind of have to do it. Right. And I mean, don't do like Friday night every week unless you really don't expect to ever go out Friday night. But like set, be realistic with your time boxing. Right. Call it, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays from five to eight. Um, the second thing also is probably just to be realistic about how long this is actually going to take. I would say, I don't know, ballpark anywhere from 50 to 100 total hours of studying is like a good amount. Um, that varies a lot by person, but it's like, you know, an hour a week for six weeks isn't going to cut it. Um, and then the last, my last little productivity tip, I guess, is, I mean, I, I actually have come to be fond of, though it was kind of freaky at first, uh, using like time tracking software, like ever hour. So then you literally get like, you can just pull up your stats and you can be like, well, this week I did six hours. Um, and it just like keeps you honest and it does help with the motivation. Um, there's kind of a, a saying in the startup world where if you want to improve something, measure it. (laughs) So making sure you're keeping track of your, your time spent or or what you got done. If you don't want time track, then, you know, progress track, um, I think is also pretty helpful too. Yeah, that's a great point. Tracking is awesome. Any kind of tracking you do will make you better at the thing you track for sure. Um, just without even trying which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Thank you, Vince. This has been Jiri snacks hosted by Tyler from achievable. You can try out our Jiri course for free at achievable.me and the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout.